Awesome. Well, it's good to see you all today. Janae and I have had a fantastic couple weeks of vacation, but it's good to be in church, and it's good to be back with our evangel family. Man, I, I, I've missed you, and I, I've missed uh, the awesome worship that our team brought on a day like today, and uh, thankful to be together with family. So we have a good thing here, and uh, I'm grateful for it. We traveled through some towns that don't have a good life-giving church, and it made me grateful for evangel. Amen? Amen. Come on, you're the nooners. You've got to be awake and ready to go. But hey, I want to thank Pastor Bryce for putting on the Parent Summit last weekend and then uh, having a guest speaker. I've just heard awesome things about how last weekend went. And uh, the weekend before, I want to say thanks to Pastor Travis for uh, preaching and carrying the banner. And I haven't got a chance to speak to it yet, but uh, I want to just say thanks to Travis and Don uh, Rosinger for uh, joining our staff here at Evangel. And uh, they are just bringing excitement already and passion and encouragement. They're great encouragers, and uh, we're so thankful that of all the places that they could serve, that they chose Evangel in Bismarck, North Dakota. So God bless you. We're thankful that you're here. Can you appreciate them? All right, well, I'm wrapping up a series today called Breaking Ground, and uh, it's a three-week series. Next week, we're going to focus on uh, a, a different set of thoughts, but today I'm going to close on uh, this Breaking Ground series, and the whole series revolves around the core value of our church that says we're future-minded, and future-minded means that we look forward to the future, we pursue what's ahead while honoring the past at the same time, and maybe you have a past uh, that of things you've done or what you've walked through that you don't think deserves honor, you don't want to talk about it, or things have happened that you're ashamed of, but listen, your past is not something for you to regret or feel guilty about, your past is something for you to build on. So make the decision today, I'm not, I'm not going to let my past hang over my head, I'm going to build on the past for the future that God has for me. Say Amen. See, and and Breaking Ground is not just a a vision series. Being future-minded is not just about vision and where a church is going, but uh, being future-minded also looks at our own lives and says, hey, is my heart future-minded? Have I prepared my life in a way where I've broken up ground so that God can plant something new in my heart and in my life? Hosea 10, 12. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. If you can't find the book of Hosea, that's okay. It's a hard one to find, Uh, but the words will be on the screen. It says this, Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Another translation says, reap the fruit of unfailing love. And then catch this phrase, meditate on this phrase, highlight this phrase in your mind. Plow up or break up the hard ground of your hearts. I want to focus on that today. Why do our hearts get hard? Plow up the, the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. God does the watering. He just asks you and I to break up the hard ground in our hearts. And here what I, here's what I know is that the breaking will be hard. The, the plowing up, the, like the young dad dumping those seeds into the soil, it takes shoveling to get those seeds into the soil where, where they can produce something. And the plowing may be hard and it may be painful, but the planting will be profitable. The, the breaking up of a hardened heart may be painful, but God planting something in that heart can be profitable. Now listen, I know the drill. I, I, I rode on a tractor and plowed fields with a passy in my mouth, I'm telling you, like since I was really little. 
And uh, I remember going around and around in circles, plowing up hardened ground that maybe hadn't been touched for a year, maybe hadn't been touched for half a year, and breaking up that, that ground so that dad could come along with the air seeder and shoot seeds of corn into the soil. And eventually later, these little green plants would begin to spring up where there used to be hardened soil. Uh, something would begin to spring up. And then I'd get back on the tractor that didn't have a radio or an air conditioner or a cab and barely ran. But I'm not bitter about it. It's just as <laughs> what happened. And round and around and around and around, I would go on a little five-row cultivator. Like, Dad could have at least bought the big one, but it was a little cultivator. And Janae says, Josh, you sing all the time. Why do you sing all the time? I'm like, hours and hours and hours on a tractor with no radio. Like, in the middle of nowhere. I, I, that's where I learned to belt it out. You know, nobody could hear me, I don't think, I hope. Uh, but round and around and around we'd go, and we'd, we'd pull these furrows in between the cornrows, and then we'd get big irrigation pipe, and we'd lay the pipe in, and then we'd, we'd push water into the pipes, and then kind of the pinnacle moment would happen where you'd open the little gate on the irrigation pipe, and water would begin to burst forth, and would, would start to run down that row. And on a dry North Dakota day, when that water would hit the soil, I'm telling you, you could almost watch the corn grow. You can almost watch it take off. And I think God is saying something through this farming analogy to you and I. He's saying, just break up the hard ground in your heart, and I will do the planting, and I will do the watering. Just break up the hard ground in your heart, and I will do the planting, and I will do the watering far beyond what you might be able to do on your own. But it may be painful in the process when you break up the soil. See, there, there is this tension for you and I that when our hearts are unattended to, they become like hardened ground. When our hearts are not attended to, they become hardened ground. And, you know, it's, it's the old saying that just by doing nothing, your heart can become hardened. It's not that you do bad things or it's not that you're living in sin, but simply by not taking care of the heart, Proverbs tells us, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. That word guard is a verb. It's, it's active. It's doing something. And you and I need to tend the garden of our hearts. And I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about the seat of your soul, the seat of your emotions, the, the person that you are. That, that is what we speak to when we talk about the heart. See, because if we don't tend to the heart, then there's many symptoms that, that come along of a heart that is hardening. One of the symptoms is that we learn how to shut people out. That instead of doing life with people or loving people or sharing with people, we begin to, somebody offends us and we cut them off. Or, or people become inconvenient to us rather than a blessing. We look at people as a liability rather than an asset in our life. Another symptom is that we shut advice out. We see in Exodus 7 that Pharaoh himself, Moses was saying, let God's people go. Here's the miraculous sign to prove that God is telling you to do this. Here's, here's what you ought to do. And it tells us that Pharaoh literally hardened his heart. And when he hardened his heart, he eventually lost his son because of his disobedience. We know also that not just shutting advice or people out, but a hardened heart will shut love out. Matthew 24 tells us that in the last days that the love of many will grow cold, that you and I will stop loving. We'll become lovers of self, we'll become lovers of money, we'll become lovers of things that are evil, but we'll stop loving one another and loving God, which is, after all, the greatest command, to love God and to love people. We also know that a hardened heart will shut feelings out. Look what Ephesians 4 says. It says they are darkened in their understanding 
and separated from the life of God. Now, when we talk about the life of God, we're not talking about the life that you and I live right now. We're talking about the the eternal life that comes from God, the peace that comes from God, the patience that comes from God, the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the true life that only God can give. And when we become darkened in our understanding of who God has called us to be, and we begin to focus on the wrong things, we're separated from the life of God. And the difficulty today is that many of us don't even know that we're separated from it but you're living without something that you've never experienced before, and today God has something more for you. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. We live live without because our hearts have become hardened. Watch this phrase, having lost all sensitivity, having lost all feeling. Having, having, having lost all sensitivity to God, having lost all sensitivity to one another, having lost sensitivity to yourself. Listen, people will often say, well, God's not speaking to me anymore. Well, guess what? God has not stopped speaking. He is still speaking every moment, every day. Many times it's just that our hearts have become hardened. The last one is this, that we begin to shut other successes out. It's the symptom of a hardened heart. We shut others' successes out. This means that We're unable to uh, celebrate the success of anybody except ourselves. We resent people when they're successful. We get envious. We're jealous. We harbor bitterness in our heart when others succeed and we don't, or when God's promise comes to somebody else and it doesn't come to us. I remember, you know the story, but I remember being in the, the NICU with my son for 17 days watching many other babies be born and leave in three days or two nights. And this opportunity to have a hardened heart and to get bitter. But you know what? There was a friend that we had down the hall who had their son in the NICU for months and months. And there's always just a little perspective. Somebody always has it worse than you and somebody always has it better than you. But we don't shut out the the successes of others or what other people are walking through. See, it's the pattern, even throughout Scripture, that we harden our hearts and our relationships suffer, even our relationship with God. The pattern in the Old Testament that Hosea is speaking into is that Mankind is unfaithful, so there's consequences of our unfaithfulness, and that those consequences are always met not by God's anger or resentment or condemnation, but they are met by God's faithfulness. Are there consequences to our sin and our actions? Yes. But it's always met by the faithfulness of God. Even in this passage of Scripture, it goes so far to, I mean, he's he's speaking to the northern kingdom of Israel, who within 30 years of what Hosea is saying, that they'll be demolished by the Assyrians. Israel will literally be wiped off the map. 130 years later, uh, the southern nation of Israel, now known as Judah, will also be wiped off the map. And even in their last hour, even in their their last moment, God says, but if you will just turn to me and plow up the hardened heart that you have, I will intervene. Even Even in their sin and in the consequences of their sin, God says, I will be faithful. And Israel would become a nation again in 1948, where we're talking about 2,000 years of silence for this nation because of their unfaithfulness and the consequences and their unwillingness to plow up the hardened heart. See, there's many reasons the heart can become hard. Maybe it's because of sin. It's because of missing the mark on the life that God has for you and, and living a way that, that, that's outside of that and sh- certainly that hardens our heart towards God. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's pride. You know, and pride is not always arrogance, right? Sometimes we just look at, at, at pride as somebody who is outwardly arrogant, but pride is not just arrogance. Pride can also be silent and deadly in our lives. Pride can also uh, think ourselves better than other people. Pride can also shut our voice or shut our ears to the voices of other people that need to speak into our lives. Sometimes uh, on the outside, we have false humility, or we display a false sense of humility, but really our hearts have become prideful and that we're not willing to receive from anyone else. Listen, this kind of sin and pride is toxin in the ground of your heart. Nothing will be able to grow if we allow sin and pride to fester. Uh, Another is complacency. If we simply don't tend to our heart, this is a field that's left unattended. It becomes hardened. And the last reason that our hearts harden is because of past hurts. Well, somebody disappointed me in this area before, and so I'm never going to trust again. Or God disappointed me in this area before, so I'm never going to trust him again. But instead of giving way to those past hurts and letting our heart harden, we need to weed the garden. We need to repent. We need to let go. We need to choose to forgive. And I know there's people here that terrible things have happened to you, but any mature Christian, any person seasoned in God's word has no excuse to live life offended. Because the greatest offense ever committed was ours towards God. And if he was willing to forgive us, we ought to be willing to forgive one another. That's why we believe in restoration. That's why we believe in healing in relationships. <clears throat> he says, plow up the, the hard ground in your heart. Plow up the hard ground in your heart. I was thinking about Janae and I when we were first married. Uh, we, were, we, we got married in our later 20s, and so we both had a certain degree of independence uh, by the time that we were married. And we're both very strong, very passionate, and stubborn people. And, uh, and I remember driving back from some place that we had been, and we got in a little bit of a, a tiff, a little disagreement in the car, and, uh, and it got kind of heated, and then both of us just stopped talking, and we drove silently. This is not an example, kids. Don't do this. <laughs> and, uh, and we're driving home, and, and then that argument carried over into the house. You know, but this has never happened to any of you, I'm sure. And we, we got into the house, and I went in the office, and Janae went in the bathroom, and, and there I sulked, you know. And we have this agreement in our marriage, and we talk to other couples about it often, about, uh, of winning an argument in marriage. It's you don't win when uh, you hold out the longest. You don't win when you hold the cold shoulder. You don't win when you sever the relationship. You don't win when you have the final word. You win when you're the first person to reach for the other person in humility. You win when you're the one that reaches for restoration. Which is difficult to do in the heat of the moment. <laughs> but that's how a marriage really wins, even in disagreement. And I know all these things, and I talk to people about these things, but in that moment I was like, yeah, but this time it's her turn to reach for me. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the office just kind of sulking and pleading my case in my mind, you know. And, and she came out of the bathroom, and we had an experience that maybe many of you have had, and we were recently married, and she turned the corner towards the office, and I didn't know if she was going to breathe fire or what was going to happen, and, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm sorry, and then her voice cracked, and she said, and I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> like trump card right there, you know, <laughs> ace in the hole, and uh, 
And I remember her being like not ready to have a kid, and so I'm hugging her and consoling her, and in my mind I'm like, please be pregnant. That would be so awesome. <laughs> but we weren't yet. Uh, but, uh, but I remember, and what I love about my wife so much is that she's quick to resolve arguments. She's quick to reach for me. She's quick to take areas of her heart that could become hardened and plow them up. So that instead of becoming an area where she's bitter, it's a place where God can plant something new. And it's a place that we can grow rather than a place that we separate or that our relationship suffers. So let me give you a few ways that we plow up the hard ground in our hearts. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians 6.11. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and watch the example that he gives. He says this, he says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. As a fair exchange, open wide your hearts also. Here's a a few ways that you and I can plow up the hard ground in our hearts in the way that Janae did in the story that I told you. The first one is through vulnerability. Now vulnerability, if you have hurt in your life or you have demons in the closet, vulnerability can become like a dirty word. There's just things you don't want to talk about. There's things you don't want to know, but there are silent killers in life, and a lack of vulnerability is one of them. But rather than shutting people out, you and I ought to demonstrate vulnerability. 2 Corinthians 6.11, Paul says, we have opened wide our hearts to you. And I wonder today who you open your heart wide to. I wonder if there's a safe place in your life where you can open your heart wide. If there's safe relationships or a safe group of people. Uh, I'm in a connect group and one of my friends, one of the first times we met with that connect group, he said, now everybody, when Josh is here, he's not pastor. He's just Josh. And he gave me a place to open my heart wide. He gave me permission and I wonder who you could give permission to. To open their heart wide so that they can demonstrate vulnerability. See, it's easy to follow vulnerability. When somebody else is vulnerable, then it's easy to kind of match their vulnerability and share something yourself, but it's difficult and nobody wants to lead with vulnerability. But you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, secure in Christ and our identity in Him, if we're children of God, not bound by fear, then if we don't lead with vulnerability, who will? If we live with kind of this outward veneer that we have it all together and we never struggle, this, this fake sense of perfection, then who is going to bring vulnerability into our world? The Bible does say confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. I remember the first time I sat down in a, a connect group of guys and, and one of the guys said, you know what, let's just all uh, sit in this circle and let's talk about the hard things that have happened in our lives. I was like, yeah, okay, but you're going to get the PG version, you know. <laughs> But he gave an opportunity for vulnerability. And I wonder what you're harboring in your heart that could be helped by vulnerability. I wonder who's in your life that you could help with a little bit of vulnerability. Here's the second way to plow up the hard ground. It's humility. Paul says, I speak to you as my children. He's saying, be humble. I'm speaking to you as my children. Open up your heart to me. Let me speak into your life. And come on, I know my generation and the generations coming after me, we are not great at taking advice. And we're not really great at taking ownership over anything. Everything is always somebody else's fault. 
But no, you and I have to take ownership over our lives. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. We have to accept advice from people, from trusted advisors that speak into our lives like Paul is speaking into the lives of the Corinthians. I speak to you as my children. I wonder who the safe people are that can speak into your life. I wonder if you've sought those people out. Here's the third way that we plow up the hard ground in our hearts. It's through honesty. Rather than shutting love out, we display honesty. Paul says, we have spoken freely to you. Listen, it will be very difficult for you to stay in a relationship where there is not honesty, where you cannot share with honesty because there will be a a compilation of frustrations that build up that eventually will end the relationship. And some have been through relationship after relationship after relationship simply because you aren't honest. And eventually your tolerance for one another expires because you're not truly sharing in vulnerability and in honesty. Listen, when we think of honesty, we think of just not lying. That's being honest. But honesty is more than just not lying. Honesty is also telling the truth. Rather than staying silent, rather than letting a lie linger, honesty is actually speaking the truth in love. And there, there are moments in our lives where it's not just that you and I shouldn't lie, but in conversations where you and I need to speak the truth in love. And come on, we're good on North Dakotans. We'd rather say nothing. We don't want to disrupt the pond, you know? But, but there are moments where you and I have to speak the truth in love because if we really love somebody, we're going to tell them. Come on, you have your fly open. You're hoping somebody's going to be honest with you. <clears throat> You're hoping somebody's just going to be honest. And there's moments where there's character things in our lives where we need to be honest with one another. The fourth way that we plow up the hard ground is through love. Rather than shutting feelings out, we choose to love one another. Paul said, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. And each of us needs to learn to feel safe in expressing our affections to one another. We need to feel safe in expressing our affections to one one another. See, too often we learn that I'm either not going to say anything or I'm going to lash out from one extreme to the other. But there's this middle ground that you and I have to find where we love one another and we speak the truth in love to one another and we share our affections with one another and we appreciate one another. It leads into the last area where we plow up the hard ground and that area is in our admiration. Rather than shutting out the victories of other people, we choose to admire and celebrate the the victories of other people. We have a saying at this church that all the glory goes to God, but all the honor goes to people. it, It used to be a characteristic in my life that people would say, Josh, great preaching, that was a great message, and I'd say, all glory to God, which is great, but God also used me. And so it's okay for us to say thank you and to receive that honor when somebody points out what God is doing in our lives. All the glory goes to God, but all the honor goes to people. And we should be great at glorifying God and great at honoring one another and calling out the greatness in one another and acknowledging the gifts in one another and speaking life into one another. All the glory goes to God, but all the honor goes to people. Paul says, open wide your heart also. Listen, these things are not easy. Vulnerability and humility and honesty and admiration and loving one another, they're not easy, especially if your heart has grown hard. To do these things with your spouse or with a child that has disrespected you or with a coworker, it's not easy to plow up that unplowed ground. But listen, if you will take the time 
And if you will endure the pain of plowing up the hardness in your heart, then God can plant something that will be prosperous. God can bring something new, like that corn shooting through the soil. God can start something new. Let me give you an example. There's an old pastor named David Wilkerson. He writes his story in a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. And man, you should read it. Everybody should read it every year. And, and David Wilkerson was a pastor in rural Pennsylvania. He saw some gang leaders, some kids that were in a gang on the cover of a magazine in New York City. And he drove across Pennsylvania into New York and he began to go to the streets and he began to share with these kids. And one day he ran into a, a kid named Nicky Cruz. And Nicky Cruz was a gang leader, and Nicky, in his own words, says, I was high on sex, drugs, alcohol, and violence. Nicky had been brutally abused by his parents as a form of satanic worship. His heart had become so hardened, his abuse so intense, that he literally could cut his leg with a knife without feeling any pain. Literally shutting feelings out, shutting people out. A, a violent young man, when he hit the streets of New York, he was void of love and full of hate. And come on, if some of us really will do an audit of our hearts today, we would see that we're suffering from the same syndrome. Maybe not as extreme, but our heart has really become void of love and full of hate or resentment. One day he would, he would encounter Pastor David Wilkerson on the street, and he would threaten his life. And David would look at him and say, Nikki, these famous words, he'd say, you can cut up my body into a thousand pieces here on the street, but every piece will still scream, I love you. This gang leader, this powerful gang, gang leader several decades ago in New York was shaken to the core. See, he was a powerful gang leader by day, but he was a broken, lonely young man by night, and things are not always as they appear on the outside. And he would go back to his apartment, he would not sleep for two days, thinking about the kind of love that this pastor had for him, that he would say those words. He said it later, he said, it did good damage in my brain. Come on, you and I need some good damage in our brains sometimes when we understand the love of Jesus in a new way. He would later attend a, a, da a David Wilkerson rally or service or gathering or meeting, whatever you want to call it, where he and his whole gang would make Jesus Lord of their lives. They'd begin to follow Jesus. They'd surrender their lives to him. See, Nikki would talk about this experience later and he says, I was literally choked up with pain. Maybe there's some of you here today that the pain in your life is so intense that it literally chokes you up. You can't talk about it. You don't want to show it to anybody. It literally is, is choking off your life. And you're, you're in the same camp as Nikki was. I was choked up with pain. My eyes were fighting and tears began to come down and more tears and I was fighting. Maybe there's others of you today that you've been fighting, trying to get through the hardness of your heart, trying to forgive. You've been trying to do all the right things. You've been trying to put your head down into the wind and just push through it. And, but the tears are coming and there's pain in your life that you don't know what to do with. And you're at the end of your rope and you know what? Maybe today you just need to let go. And let, let God take that situation. Watch what Nikki does. He says, I was fighting back tears. I was, I was fighting. I was in pain. He says, and then I surrendered. It's, it's, it's not of this world to get victory and surrender. It's unique to this world to have victory and surrender. He says, and then I surrendered and I let Jesus have me. And there's somebody here today that your heart has become hardened. It's become hardened in some area where 
you've shut people out or you've shut love off or you've stopped feeling and you've been in pain and today you need to surrender. Because it, it, you can do all the things that you need to do, humility, vulnerability, love, all the things I've talked about, you can do all those things, but it's only the Spirit of God that can take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. It's only the Word of God that can take a, a heart that beca- has become rock hard And the word of God says the the word is the hammer that breaks the rock. And today, just by declaring the word of God to you, the rock in your heart is breaking and it's breaking and it's breaking and the spirit of God is knocking and he's knocking and he's knocking and he's saying, if you'll just surrender, if you'll just let Jesus have you, you don't have to experience that pain anymore. You don't have to experience those broken relationships anymore. Maybe you feel like the soil of your life has been toxic and everybody who comes near you suffers and is hurting. You don't have to experience that anymore. You don't have to feel that way anymore. It's just saying, Jesus, I surrender and I give myself to you today. The breaking will be painful, but the planting will be profitable. Will you stand with me? God is talking to people here today who have lost their way and he's saying, I will be faithful to you. No matter what you've done, where you've been, where you're going, I will be forever faithful to you. You may be unfaithful to me a thousand times over, but I will remain faithful. And maybe you're here and your heart is hardened towards God or towards people. And today you need to say, God, I surrender. I'm going to let Jesus have me. Jesus, whatever you have for me, wherever you want to lead me, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to surrender to that today. Come on. If you've never made that decision before to surrender to Jesus, or if your heart has become hardened to him, and today there's already hands going up. If you know you need to surrender, would you just lift a hand as a sign of surrender? Come on, just bow your heads all across the place. Close your eyes. Keep your hands lifted. Anybody else? Many hands all over the room. Maybe you're here and you don't have the courage to lift your hand, but you know today that your heart has been hardened. Come on, if that's you, would you just pray a prayer like this? Father, I ask that you take my hardened heart and replace it with a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft to you and is soft to people. Father, I've I've shut people out. I've shut feelings out. I've shut love out. And I know that the fullness of those things is found in your spirit. So would you come? God, would you do something new in my life? God, would you speak to me? Lord, I'm analyzing my heart and my heart has started to harden. I've started to shut off to things. I've started not trying anymore because this situation feels impossible. God, I feel like I'm I'm giving up on hope, but today, God, I'm letting go of my own rope and I'm grabbing onto yours and I'm surrendering to you and saying, Jesus, I wanna let you have me. I wanna let you have my life. I surrender to you. I give you all that I am, all my circumstances, all my pain, all the hard areas of my heart. Today, I put the plow in the ground. God, and I start something fresh. Would you come and would you plant something new? Would you water it? God, would you bring about a harvest in my life that is good and is hopeful and is filled with joy? I surrender to you today, Jesus. We're so glad you joined us today. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged by these teachings every week. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. Send us an email at mystory@goevangel.org. For more information about our church, check us out online at goevangel.org.